0: we continue walking through the, the second letter to the Corinthians. Uh, we'll be in chapter 4 this morning as we continue to talk about this letter that Paul wrote uh, to the church in Corinth. And so Second Corinthians chapter 4 is where we'll be this morning. We're going to look at most of this chapter, if not all of this chapter. And so Second Corinthians chapter 4. Uh, have you guys ever found yourself facing a challenge? Maybe you're facing a challenge right now that you just felt like giving up on. I mean, I'm just going to give up. I'm going to move on. I, I think most of us have probably been there at one point or another. I, I remember uh, Zoe started kindergarten this year, and then she came to church after her first week, and I think it was Miss Joy. She asked her, she said, uh, Zoe, how's kindergarten going? And she said, well, you know, it's, it's very challenging. <laughs> and you laugh because we know what's coming, Right? after kindergarten's first grade and then after first grade second you get all the way through to senior high you're like this is challenging and then then you go to college or you go get a job and you're like man this is challenging and then you have to figure out whether or not you're going to get married and who you're going to get married to and then you find out wow this is really challenging right and then you add kids into the mix and it gets even more challenging and then you throw in taxes and jobs and all these things, and it's, life is challenging. When everything's going smooth, life is hard. Then things go sideways. and You've got to deal with cancer. You've got to deal with divorce. or You've got to deal with death or bankruptcy or losing your job, losing your folks. And then you've got to figure out, do I retire? Do I not retire? And after I retire, what do I do? And if, you, if you're a member of Grand Avenue, you work full-time for the church, right, for those of you who, who serve here. But anyway, uh, but life is challenging. It's hard. Things sometimes can cause us to become discouraged. They can cause us to lose our enthusiasm, our motivation, make us want to pack it up and walk away. And and I understand that. I really do, guys. I understand that. Someone else who understands that is a guy named Paul, the apostle. He was a man who had so many challenges. He had planted churches all over the known world in his lifetime. He had seen many, many people come to believe on Christ. Paul didn't just walk away from those churches. No, he felt it was his duty to continue to pour into them and try and keep them on the straight and narrow no matter how hard they wanted to walk away from the faith. And many of these churches ended up doing Paul very wrong. In fact, the church that we're talking about, the church in Corinth, had begun to question his leadership and question his preaching, question the truth that he had brought to them. So much so that they began to say, well, this dude's suffering all the time so much. Maybe God doesn't love him. Maybe God's not got his back. Maybe God's not on his side. And so Paul is forced to publicly acknowledge all the pain he's going through. It's one thing not to go through pain uh, privately, but imagine all of your skeletons, everything coming out, and everybody getting to talk about what's going on in your life. That was Paul. And so as he writes this letter, he begins to explain to them, guys. He says, listen, here's the gospel, here's the good news. And we come to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and verse 1, and he says this to them as he's explaining the gospel. He says, therefore having this ministry, by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. We do not become discouraged. It would be another way to say that. We do not lose enthusiasm. We do not lose motivation. We're not afraid to face the challenges of the day. And so I want to encourage you this morning, whatever you're facing, whatever you're struggling with, whatever you're thinking about walking away from, to not pack it in, to not just give up, and to not lose heart. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you'd help us. Help us to know what it is to follow after you. God, help us to know what it is to not lose heart. Help us to know what it is to not lose motivation, but to be encouraged rather than discouraged. Father, we pray as we open up your word this morning and as we study your word together that you would show us, Lord, show us what you want us to see and give us the strength to follow after you as you show it. Lord, help us. Help me to preach. God, help help us to listen. Help us to obey. Help us to follow you, oh, oh God. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And so he says, I, I, I do not lose heart. He, he says, I stay strong. In spite of everything I'm going through, I'm able to stay strong. Well, how is he able to stay strong, guys? Well, he's able to stay strong because he had a certain way of looking at the world. Did you know that the way that you look at the world actually matters? Did you know your perspective, your worldview uh, actually changes the way that you live? It changes your happiness level, if you will. I, I'll give you an example, and, and you'll see this as we walk through this passage. Um, a couple, well, not just a couple. I guess it was just about right at a month ago. We had Christmas, right? Well, on Christmas morning, my children have very neatly and nicely wrapped presents. My wife is a professional rapper, not like hip-hop, but, you know, like when it comes to presents, she's professional at it. And so she tried the other. It didn't work out. No, I'm just kidding. but But anyway... Uh, she, she is professionally I mean she spends hours upon hours I'm like man buy a gift bag right I, I mean that's that's when she gets a present from me unfortunately unless she wraps it it looks like a, a wad of wrapping paper I'm just not good at it I've tried I just can't do it so thank the Lord for gift bags right a- amen anyway and so she, she's really good at wrapping these presents in, and making them nice and neat and pretty and you know what those kids do with all of that wrapping paper They just rip it off. It's thrown in the trash bag so quick you don't even know what color it was by the time it gets put in there. Is she upset when that happens? Not one bit. Because, you see, we we don't take the wrapping paper and frame it or anything like that because the wrapping paper ultimately is just to cover up the present until they finally open it. The gift is actually what's on the inside of that wrapping paper. But but what Paul is saying here, the reason why he doesn't lose heart, as we're going to see here in a moment, is he doesn't have it backwards. What happens to us many times in our lives is we begin to look at the wrapping paper as the present rather than what's actually on the inside of that wrapping paper, the, the very gift. And I, I want to tell you right up front this morning that the gift of God is Jesus Christ, through the, the power of the gospel, that that is truly the payoff, that he is truly the payoff. A relationship with him is the payoff, and everything else, guys, is wrapping paper, no matter how pretty it is, no matter how neat it looks. Listen to what he says in verse 7 here. He says, But we have this treasure in jars of clay. We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to who? Well, it belongs to God and not to us. Hear what Paul is saying. He's saying, When I look at the gospel and I look at Jesus, I get a clearer picture of who I am. And I understand that I'm a clay pot, that I'm an earthen vessel. What's a clay pot? It's pretty fragile. If you drop it on the ground, what's it going to do? It's going to shatter. It's not going to withstand that force. It's not going to withstand that happening to it. It's going to shatter, and whatever's inside is going to be exposed. Paul says we have this treasure in jars of clay. We have this treasure in weak vessels. He understands something about himself, guys, that we will do well to remember. We're not where the strength is. We're not even where the beauty is. Like a clay pot, the cheapest thing you could buy. It's like a, you know, those tumblers you get from Dollar General. Like it, that's the kind of stuff you, know, you break out when, when kids are over, right? Those little dollar things you get at the birthday parties anyway, you ain't worried about those getting broke, right? And Paul's saying what's really important is what God has given me, the gift that He has given me, and is the gospel of Jesus as I share it with others. This is the true treasure, and this is where the true power lies. What, what Paul is saying is, is, as I look at Jesus, I get a true estimate of who I am. We all have a self-image, right? And then somebody takes a picture. Have you ever noticed that, how much different you look in a picture than you do even in the mirror? Or like if you hear yourself recorded, you're like, oh no, I don't sound like that, do I? And, and Because we have this mindset of what we look like and what we think we look like, and then we see what we actually look like, and either we're very impressed and pleasantly surprised, or... Not so much, right? The gospel does that for us. It's taking a picture of us and it's saying, listen, you're not where the strength is. You're not where the power is. You're not where the treasure is. And the sooner you learn that, the better. The sooner you grasp that, the better. And so he says, it's the gospel that shapes how I view myself. Look at verse 2. Going back up to verse 2, he says this, but we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning, Or to tamper with God's word. But by the open open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. He's saying, I'm over believing that I'm strong enough to get anybody into heaven. I'm over believing that it's up to me to get anyone saved. He says, I'm over sales tactics and, and, and sales pitches. I'm over gimmicks and programs, and all those things. All I care about is telling people the truth of the gospel. He says, I, I've renounced trying to trick people into becoming believers. Uh, and, and this is something that, that I, I've come to realize. That I've, <clears throat> last like three years, that's all I've studied, is church growth and church growth principles and all that. And, and, I, and I'm convinced more than ever, guys, that it really comes down to sharing the gospel truthfully and living the gospel. It seems like that's kind of what Jesus said, right? Love God with all you are and love others as yourself. Like that's what we're called to do. It's really what he's called us to do. And so, so we as a, a believers, if I can just talk to our, our church for a moment, like that's the most important part of what we do, guys, is you. It doesn't matter how many programs we bring in. It doesn't matter how many different things we do. Ultimately, you are the engine. You are what makes our church Uh, Function. You are what's actually going to take the gospel outside of these walls. You're the ones who are going to make the difference. If you do not share the gospel, if you do not take the gospel from here, out there, they're not going to hear. We can have all the events you want to have. We can do all the different techniques you want to do, all the flashy things. But what it comes down to is you being passionate about the gospel of Jesus Christ. But there's this crazy thing that will happen when you do that. People become Christians. In your life, they will see you living out the gospel and they'll say, hey, I want some of that. I want to have that in my life. But we don't, we don't trick people. I, I love what Adrian Rogers, one of my favorite preachers, said. Mostly I, I'm envious of his voice. I don't know if y'all have ever heard him. But anyway, he said, he, he said, if I can talk you into it, somebody else can talk you out of it. We're not into giving out gimmicks and tricks. We're just into sharing the truthfulness of God's Word. This is what we are about. And so then you, you come to verse 3, and he answers the question, well, if that's true, then you know, why are not everyone becoming believers? Look at verse 3. He says, and even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel, of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. He says the reason not everybody believes is because Satan has blinded them. He has hid the truth from them. They can't see how amazing and how glorious and how beautiful Jesus is. They don't get it. They don't understand it. Those who are perishing, those who do not have the truth, those who are, their destination is destruction. He says they don't get it. They're blinded. Satan has blinded them. The the God of this world, Satan has blinded them from the truth. How does Satan blind us? How does he trick us? Well, he uses a bunch of different tools, doesn't he? He uses wrapping paper, right? He uses money. We spend all of our time chasing down money to buy stuff to impress folks we don't know, and if we did know, we probably wouldn't like anyway. Right? He uses power, this idea that I can have the authority, I can be in control if I work hard enough, people have to call me boss, that's that's what I want, and so rather than pursuing Christ, we pursue, pursue our career. He uses people. We we want everyone to like us and love us and and respect us, and so we shrink back from speaking truth when we ought to be speaking truth. He uses activity. Guys, how how busy are we that we we spend more time running around than we do worshiping the one who made us? How busy are we that we don't ever take time to stop and behold the, the beauty of Christ? Maybe you're blinded by your activity this morning. Guys, if the most expendable, least Um, that requires the least amount of your time uh, event on your calendar is your worship of the one who made you. You probably are too busy. Satan is using those things to blind you. When's when's the last time that you you sacrifice to serve the Lord? He also uses, for those of you like, that's right, you need to be less busy, self-righteousness. He uses how beautiful we think we are to blind us from how beautiful Christ is until we understand that He is where the strength is, until we understand that He is where the beauty is and He is the treasure, we're not going to see how much we need Him. We're going to go on believing that we can do it without Him. And Satan's pretty good at blinding us to this, making us believe that we can do it on our own. We can't. Because he wants you to believe the lie that you don't need Him. He wants you to believe the lie that, that Jesus is not the most important thing in your life. And so we end up treasuring the temporary rather than the eternal. We walk around with our bag full of wrapping paper like, man, look at what I got. And we take the treasure back to the store. He says here in verse 5, if you look at verse 5 with me, he says, for what we proclaim is not ourselves. We're not talking about us. We're not interested in you hearing about us. But Jesus Christ is Lord with ourselves as your servants or better, your slaves for Jesus' sake. Paul says, it, it, I, since Jesus has done this for me, my job is to serve everyone else. Since Jesus has done this for me, my job is to do whatever I can to get other people into heaven. I'm going to share the gospel. I'm going to share it truthfully. I'm going to uh, serve them in any way I can because it's not about me. It's about, it's about him. It's about Christ getting the glory. And so I'm going to love my neighbor for the sake of Christ through sharing the gospel. Just the simple truth of the gospel. Through giving up my preference. Through not always getting my way. That's hard to imagine, right? That's the other thing Satan loves. He uses his own selfishness. But when we're able to see that Jesus is the treasure, that he is the gift, and not everything else, all the temporary stuff, but that Jesus is actually the treasure, then we're willing and able to do anything it takes so that others can hear the good news about him. And then, guys, then we'll be ready and able to face the trials that come up in our life. Look at verses 8 and 9, if you'll skip back down with me. Paul explains to us his situation. He says, We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body of death, uh, in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. He says, "I have the strength that comes from Christ that allows me to face whatever I'm struggling with, whatever comes against me." He says, "I, I I'm pressed down, I'm pressured by all of the stuff in my life, by my troubles, by everything that I face, but I'm not crushed, not ground to powder by it." Because I have a strength within me that says even if everything's taken away and if I lose everything, I still have him and he's actually the treasure. Everything else is wrapping paper. He, he says we're, we're perplexed but not driven to uh, despair. We're confused. We, man, I've tried this. It didn't work. i tried this. It didn't work. i tried this. It didn't work. How can I move forward? How can I make this better? He, he says, but not driven to despair. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to quit. Because I know that God is with me through this and I know that he'll help me work through these situations. I know he'll help me work through these problems and he'll give me the wisdom that I need. And all I'm going to do is put one foot in front of the other. It's not actually up to me. Because When we realize that it's actually not up to us to make things work out, it kind of frees us up a little bit, doesn't it? When it stops being about whether or not we are able to manipulate our situation or control our situation, make our situation what it ought to be, and we just say, hey, I'm going to be faithful, and God, you have the rest. It gives us a lot more time to do other stuff than to worry about other things, right? So he says, I, I, I'm perplexed, but I'm not, I, I, I don't know what to do, but I'm not going to despair. And he, he also says that we are persecuted, we are hunted down, but we're not forsaken. He, he says, we, we, people around us hate us and don't like us because of our relationship with Christ. But Jesus is still with us. We have his promise that I'll be with you to the, even to the end of the age. So even when all your friends leave you and all your family leaves you and you have nothing left, you still have him. He is father to the fatherless. So he says, I will be with you even to the end of the age. And then he says, you know, we we get struck down, we get knocked down flat on our back, get the air knocked out of us. People actually do sometimes get the best of us. But he says, you know what, I'm going to continue to trust on him, I'm going to continue to believe on him, because I'm not destroyed. How does he do this, guys? He does it through internalizing the gospel, through preaching the gospel to himself, constantly growing roots in the truths that we find in God's word. And so when we realize that we are clay pots, that we are weak, and that when we are broken, when we mess up, when we don't do right that it's not actually the end of the world. When we can't fix it, it's not the end of the world because he who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. Then we're able to stand underneath the pressure that we face. So this morning, if if you're feeling like, man, I, I just don't even know what to do anymore. I don't know how to handle this. Paul says, look back to Jesus. Look back to the gospel. Remind yourself of the gospel. He also says, continue in doing this so that people can see in you Uh, the the beauty of Christ. Verse 10, he's already said, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. Then when you come to verse 11, he says, for we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our mortal flesh, so death is at work in us, but life in you. Hear what he is saying. He's saying as we walk through these times and these hard times and these trying times, we don't see any other way out of it. and We think everybody around us thinks we're going to fold in and we're going to give up and we stand strong because of the gospel. He says that's when people actually see Jesus in us the most. He, he says that's when Jesus is manifested in our body. That's when he is seen, when he is shown. It's when we walk through those hard times and we don't quit. And we continue being faithful. And we continue serving Him. We continue walking with Him. It's the same thing as uh, Job. You guys remember from the Old Testament, Job was a man who was righteous. And he was a man who everybody looked up to. He was a man everyone respected. And in many ways, everyone envied. And Satan comes before God, and God says, check out Job. Isn't he amazing? At the way that he serves me, the way that he's faithful. And Satan's like, yeah, but that's because he's got it easy. Take all his stuff away, and he'll curse you. And so before the end of the book of Job, Job's lost everything except for his wife. And he's even lost his health. Like everything but his life has been taken from him. And he still serves the Lord. He still follows the Lord. He questions God some and then God comes to him and he has this relationship with God where they are restored. But it's because he walked with God through all of that. He turned his attention to the Lord. Guys, as we go through these hard times, we turn our attention to the Lord so that when someone says, Man, how are you going to make it? What are you going to do? How will you ever get through this? I said, Well, you know, I have Christ. And he promised He ain't going to leave me. And He promised He's going to work these things out for the good of those who love God, who are called according to His purpose. And I don't see how He's going to do it. I sure can't figure it out. I'm just going to trust Him. I'm going to follow Him. Paul says when we do that, that's when Jesus is seen the most in our life. When we stop worrying about the wrapping paper, the temporary stuff, and put our hope in Him. And so as we have this outlook on life, it it not only affects the way we view our circumstances, it affects the way we deal with other people. Look in verse 13, he says, Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke, we also believe and so we also speak, knowing that He who raised the Lord... Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. Then we come to verse 15. For it is all for your sake. Now, I just want to pause there. It is all for your sake. Paul is writing to a group of people who are some of the meanest, most backbiting people you've ever seen. Like he, he has poured his life out for them. He has bled for them. He has spent many a sleepless night with them, walking through hard times in their lives. He's done everything he can to show them the truth of Jesus. He's shown them, done everything he can to show them the love of God. And as soon as he leaves, as soon as he doesn't do one thing they want him to do, they begin to talk about him as if he doesn't know Christ. As if everything he's ever told them is a lie. As if he's never done anything for them. And he writes to them. And he says, guys, everything I do is for you. Everything I do It's to show you the love of Jesus, to show you the same grace that God has shown me. You want to know how to deal with difficult people this morning? View them through that lens. What has Christ done for you? What love has he shown you? I guarantee you it will change the way you view those folks in your life you don't necessarily like very much. It will change the way you deal with those people that are really, really hard to deal with. And we all know there are some folks who are harder to deal with than others. There are some folks who are going to complain. There are some folks who are going to never encourage and always discourage, always take and never give. But Paul says, I, I'm, I'm loving you. Everything I do is for you. I, I'm doing everything I can to show you Christ. Because that's ultimately the goal. You listen to what he says at the end of this. So this grace extends to more and more people. So as more and more people come to know Jesus, is basically what he's saying. To more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. You hear Paul's goal? Paul's goal is not for people to praise him. His goal is not for people to talk about him. His goal is for people to worship God. And when that becomes our goal, guys, it's no longer about us being vindicated. It's no longer about us being liked. It's no longer about us being proven right. It's about people worshiping God. That frees you up. Because you no longer care about getting credit. You no longer care about all those things or even getting your way. All you care about is people hearing the good news of Jesus and trusting on Him. And so he says, everything I do is driven by the fact I want to see God glorified. Because I'm not interested in in wrapping paper. I'm interested in worshiping Him. And I'm interested in other people worshiping Him. And so how does he do this? Come to verse 16 with me and, and we'll close this out. Verse 16 he says, So we do not lose heart. The outer self is wasting away. Our inner self is being renewed day by day. He's repeating himself here. This is what he already said in verse 1. He's finishing up his thought, saying so we don't get discouraged. We don't quit. We don't give up. Even though our outer self is wasting away, we know what that's like. right? We talk often about getting older and what it's like for our body to be getting weaker. But our inner self is being renewed day by day. Even as our body gives out on us, the the Holy Spirit of God restores us day by day as we trust in Him. As we are reminded that it's not about us, it's about Him. And so He says, I'm not quitting, I'm not giving up. There's no retreat, no surrender. Because more important than my own well-being, more important than my own desires, is the fact I want to see people come to know Christ. So I'm not going to quit. I don't care what it costs me. And I understand, guys, I understand what it's like to feel like life isn't fair. I understand what it's like to feel like you've got more than your share of bad things happening. And, and the truth is, you, you probably do. Life is not fair. Some folks get all the luck and some folks get nothing, right? I mean, that's what it feels like sometimes. So how do we get through that? How do we get through those challenges? How do we not become discouraged when we lose it all? Look at verse 17. He says, for this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight." Uh, of glory beyond all comparison. He, he says this light, momentary affliction. And, and just, just think about this for a minute. This is a guy who's been shipwrecked. This is a guy who gets beat up every town he goes into. This is a guy who most likely has been abandoned by his family. This is a guy who's lost pretty much everything for the sake of the gospel. If there's anyone who has been mistreated, if there's anyone who can say life is not fair, it's Paul, but he calls his situation this light a small, temporary problem. He says, it's nothing compared to what I'm getting. I'm not worried about what's going on now. I'm worried about what's going to happen in eternity. Look at verse 18. And this is why. This is what it all comes down to. This is the whole point. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen, For the things that are seen are transit, they're temporary. But the things that are seen are unseen are eternal. Let me read that again. For the things that are seen are temporary, but the things that are unseen are eternal. He says, my perspective is, wrapping paper is just that wrapping paper. The truth of it is, is I want the actual gift. I want the actual payoff, and the actual payoff is eternity. Because everything here, everything I can lay my eyes on, is going away. It's going to disappear. Doesn't matter if it's health. It doesn't matter if it's wealth. It doesn't matter. None of that. All of that is going to be gone one day. And all we will have left is our relationship with Christ. He says, I, "I'd much more ha- rather you and me have a relationship with Christ than have everything in the world." Guys, no matter how desperately we want to hang on to the stuff of this world, it's going to be gone in a breath, in a vapor. You think about it. Try comparing a hundred years to eternity. You can't. You can't even, we can't even compare a second to a hundred years. And that's not even close to what a hundred years to eternity is. We're, we're not interested in the stuff that's here. We're leaving behind the temporary to hang on to the eternal. We're reaching out for heaven. See, having strength to get through each day and get through its troubles It's not about ourselves becoming stronger. It's about putting our eyes and our attention and our focus and our perspective on what actually matters and on the one who actually matters. When we put our focus, when we put our attention on the wrapping paper, if you will, we're going to get very disappointed very quickly. This world is nothing compared to where we are headed. I wonder this morning, are you living with an eternal perspective or a temporary perspective? Have you been upset and undone by wrapping paper? Or have you focused in on the one who's the author of life, who offers you eternal life? Maybe this morning all your time and resources have been pushed into doing the temporary when you've completely neglected the eternal, completely neglected the gift of God. Maybe the reason life has you down the way it has you down is because You thought, hey, I'm finally going to figure out the secret. I'm finally going to figure out the secret to happiness. I'm going to have all my answers, uh, all my questions answered. I'm finally going to know the secret and the truth, and everything's going to be great. And every time you top another mountaintop, every time you top another hill, every time you, you turn another corner, you think, this is it. And it's more emptiness. It's because this world was never meant to be the answer. The only answer, the only truth is that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came and lived in our place. And that it, and not only did he live in our place, he died in our place on the cross. And not only did he die on the cross in our place, he rose again. And he says, whoever will follow me, whoever will trust in me, will have eternity with me. Guys, that's the truth. And that's what should satisfy our soul is knowing that we can have a relationship with God for eternity. Not some temporary stuff that's going to get thrown away anyway. May, maybe it's time, guys. Maybe it's time to stop chasing after your dream. And start asking God what plans He has for your life. Maybe it's time to stop trusting in the temporary and put your faith in the eternal, put your faith in Christ and Him alone. Maybe it's time you you got a different perspective and saw the difference between that stuff that's going to go away anyway and the only thing that's going to last forever, which is your relationship with Christ. If you have a relationship with Him this morning, would you ask yourself, I've been putting all my time, all my effort, all my energy and the stuff that's going to be gone anyway? And if you have, would you repent of that? Say, Lord, help me to put my time, my effort, my energy in the things that you care about and the things that you want me to do instead of just in what I want to do. Lord, this morning, if you've never put your faith in Jesus, if you've never trusted on Him, He calls you even now, He says, put your faith in me, believe on Jesus and spend eternity with Him. If you would stand with us. And as you stand, Continue to ask the Lord what He would have you to do this morning. Let me pray for you. And after I pray, we're going to have a time of invitation. If God is calling you to respond to Him, would you do that? Father, I pray that you would...